I believe that every one of us can create beautiful images, feel fulfilled and improve our well-being through photography. The Quiet Landscapes podcast explores the life and work of photographers, creatives and thought leaders through monthly conversations that will inspire you. My name is Margaret Soraya and I'm so glad that you are here. And welcome today to a podcast with Jennifer Bunnett, who is a Surrey-based seascape photographer. And she works mostly, I think, only on the sea and coastal areas, and that's her real passion. Um, so it's a real pleasure to, to have her on today, to have a little chat about um, the motivations behind her work. And it, uh, Jennifer's work is, I, I've, I saw it um, on Instagram, and I get the feeling of it being so dreamy and beautiful and just just wonderful there's just this wonderful um soft gentle feeling behind the work so it's it's probably some of my favorite seascape work that i i've seen so it's really it's really lovely to have you here and you. um i also think that we've got quite a lot in common <laughs> so there's there's quite a lot in our in our paths that are very very similar so it's it we'll just have a wee chat about that um but first of all um, if you'd just like to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live and what role of, the role of photography plays in your life at the moment. Okay. Uh, hi. Yes, I do. I live in Surrey, which is unfortunately landlocked, which is a bit inconvenient for a, a seascape photographer. But uh, I was brought up in Pembrokeshire and I was brought up by the sea and spent a lot of time around the sea. So I keep going back to it as often as I possibly can. Um, and uh, I suppose... I went through photography, I, I worked in photography all my life really and uh, once I started deciding I was going to concentrate on photography as an art form I went through various genres trying things out but it was just the sea that kept drawing me back time and again so uh, that's what I concentrate on and I just get down there, I try and get down there once a week, maybe twice a week down to the south coast and travel to Harris and Pembrokeshire and other places just whenever I can. So it's so it's it's quite interesting that because I actually live in the middle of Scotland as well, so in 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 Drumcondrocket in Inverness. Um, so I'm also landlocked, but I also have a, a real passion for the sea. I I can just go either way to get to access it. Do you do you find that that um, is a frustration to you or hinders you, or do you think it just kind of it it is what it is, and you just make the best of it and and go as often I as you can. Do that really, yes, it, but it, it does frustrate me, especially when the light suddenly becomes absolutely stunning, and I'm driving along doing something mundane in Surrey, and I just can't get to the sea at all. Yeah. Uh, I would like to try and move closer to the sea right. when when I'm able to. Unfortunately, at the moment, personal circumstances mean I can't. Family circumstances, but uh, I would like to live closer to the sea because then I can just pop out and respond to the light and fleeting moments much more easily. Whereas now I have to pre-plan really carefully. And that's exactly what I do. I plan down to the finest detail, the tides and what the weather forecasts and uh, try and keep good tides in my diary. So okay. uh, and then check the forecasts around those times and uh, try and make sure that everything is set up so that I can get out Okay, have my my session at the sea it's so essential so do you plan that do you block that into your diary do you say i've got next like i i block in weeks um and then it's just potluck really when i get over to the islands whether the weather you know just see what the weather's doing do you yeah. tend to plan weeks or days 
Well, yes, I do. Uh, I try to. I mean, it was always a bit dependent on my ex-husband being able to be with my son yeah. and uh, just having a bit of support in that direction. And he used to have him every Tuesday and I used to get out on Tuesdays. Rachel and I used to call it Rachel Talibov. That's my friend. Um, we used to call it Togging Tuesdays. Uh, but things have changed a little bit now in various directions. And I do put in good tides in my diary. And then right. when it gets closer to the time, I try and do everything I can to get out for those. But other times I just try and make sure I get out at least once a week. doesn't really matter what the tide's doing. I just have a look and see what it is doing and then plan where I'm going to go according to what sort of tide it is and what sort of forecast it is. Fantastic. So how far is, how far is the south coast from you? Where, where? The nearest beach is about an hour and a half's drive. Okay, so it's not too bad. It's about a two-hour drive. So um, it's a sort of four-hour round trip. So it, it is a good idea to plan carefully. I do, you know, yeah. I don't want to do it on spec. It's yeah. just a little bit too far for that. It's too complicated yeah. for me to arrange things at home just to go on spec. I do like to know or hope that things are going to be good conditions when I get there. It's lovely to see that you've created this, like um, it's really cohesive and um, I, I'd say it's gently powerful, your style. I'd say that there's a really sort of understated tone about it. Um, and to do that with all the constraints that you've got there, so you're not living in that location and you're not spending a massive amount of time there, I think that's really admirable. And, you know, I, I, I do see, um, I do admire people, you know, I have to say, I do admire people who have these um, family commitments, because like, I'm very, very similar. Um, I'm I'm at home. Well, I've been at home with my two children for for many years, um, and I've had to find ways of getting yeah. myself to these places. You find a way, don't you? You do um, find a way. It's it's an obsession, really, isn't it? Creating your art, doing your photography, just make make it happen. It's sometimes really difficult and really challenging, but you yeah. do find ways to do it. It's absolutely essential. Yeah. So I think what you've just said there. Um, it's essential. It sounds to me like you're driven in the same way that I am and you've recognised that it's essential to your um, well-being um, to do this for yourself. Is that is that right? Does that strike yeah, a chord? Yeah. I, I just have to do it. I, I think most people like us feel that way. It's just got to be done and whatever the constraints are, and most people have some sort of constraints, some more than others, and uh, they just find ways to do it because they literally have to do it. You know, you've got to get out and create. I think, you know, once, once I'm there on the beach with my camera and the conditions are good, whatever's going on in your life, however complicated it is, and I really have had some complicated things to deal with, you can totally block it out. You just forget about it completely. It's quite extraordinary. It's like a drug photography. You can concentrate <laughs> entirely on what's going on in front of you. And it's only when you finish and start driving home, you think, oh, yes, there's all that to deal with. But at least your brain's had a complete break from it all for a few hours. Yeah, it's absolutely. That's You've just described that perfectly. It's lovely. Um, I spoke recently with um, a lady in America, Tyler Grefley, and she was. we were talking about mindfulness and photography as a meditation. Um, so the idea that you can you can practice meditation in different forms and right. you, can, you can do it through photography, although you're not actually sitting there meditating. Yeah. <laughs> but what you just said where your mind is just completely emptied and you feel fulfilled in yourself yeah. as well, um, it, it's just it's such an important thing and I think if you 
don't do that. You don't give yourself time to do that. We, you can really struggle um, in, in lots of different ways because creativity gives you life force, doesn't it? And it, it makes you feel alive. I wondered how people cope when they've got major crises to deal with, such as some of the things I've had to deal with in the past, and they haven't got an outlet like that or a, either a hobby or a job that they really love doing or just something, somewhere to go and do something different. I really don't know how they cope with the chaos the whole time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really valuable, isn't it? And we've got this gift that we've recognised that it's the seascapes and the coastal areas that make us feel this way, make us feel passionate. And then we've got the extra outlet of uh, the creativity so we can, we can embody those feelings in the photography. So I can see that you feel um, very, very similar to that, that I do too towards the, the, the shooting on the coast as well. So um, where's that come from? Is that, That's come from your upbringing, do you think? Well, I think it must have done, yes. Um, you know, we, my dad was a sailor. He ran a sailing school when I was very, very small before he went on to, be, to do his photography. And you know, being brought up in Pembrokeshire, it's really unavoidable loving the sea. It's just there all the time. We used to spend a lot of time on the beach, all sorts of different beaches, and uh, everything revolved around the sea, our social life, barbecues on the beach, my brother went on to become uh, an RNLI coxswain and you know, he still lives down there. Two of my brothers still yeah. live down there, actually. Yeah. It was just part of all our lives. And when I used to go and visit mum while she was still alive in Pembrokeshire, I used to sit there looking at, out the window at the weather, saying to her, shall I go to the mountains today or shall I go to the sea? And I think I used to feel I ought to go to the mountains <laughs> because... I always ended up going to the sea. And at that time, I thought you needed variety and you needed different things in your portfolio. And, you know, I do love the Priscilla Mountains, yeah. but it, I did always end up going down to the sea. I just couldn't resist yeah. it. And yeah. I suppose that's why, you know, I, once I, I decided I was going to photograph the sea, I had to get to know other places that I could get to more easily. And uh, Rachel was brought up on the south coast and she said, you know, why don't you come with me to one of the beaches? And I said, oh, they're all stony and they're not very pretty. And she said, come on, just have another look. And uh, of course, then I realised they're not all like that. They're, they're nothing like Pembrokeshire beaches. Yeah. No beaches are. They're just, the Pembrokeshire beaches are so special. But I've come to love the White Cliffs of the south coast right. just as much as the Pembrokeshire beaches, but in just a different way. Yeah, and uh, and now that I can get to the sea a little more easily than driving down to Pembrokeshire every time or some of the other further flung places, yeah. uh, I I found I was able to just concentrate on that. Brilliant. Is that I suppose it's that compromise, isn't it? We we can't always have the ideal, you know. So especially in these past few um, months, we've not been able to do our ideal shooting. So no. you find you you're able to find if you if you can find pleasure in these kind of compromise um, situations where you know I've been photographing in forest, which is like <laughs> never never in the forest, um, but but I'm still experiencing that mindfulness and that 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 love of photography um, in the meantime. And then when I get back to where the places that I feel completely happy in, um, you, you know, so we're, we're always making those kind of compromises. Yes. Um, so I suppose, you, and then you start to love it through it, don't you, a little bit? So. You and also if you're, if you're forcing yourself to do new things, you're, you're teaching yourself new ideas or you yeah. might come up with something completely out of the blue that you hadn't yeah. thought of. 
So mm. once you're presented with something different, like the South Coast beaches for me were very different to what I was used yeah. to. But you start thinking differently, forcing yourself to be more creative, mm. coming up with new ideas. Yeah, absolutely. On. Yeah, that's perfect. That's brilliant. So, I, you know, I think um, one of my things is that I think that we have something inside ourselves um, that's intuitively um, driven to a particular genre or particular type of photography. So yours is clearly the, the seascapes and so is mine. Interestingly enough, I was brought up in, uh, up in central Manchester. <laughs> so I don't have, I have a different um, relationship. So I find it really interesting when I'm speaking to other people as to where that comes from. Because I, I think, I don't think that you would, um, like you would t- drive all that way to get to the coast. Um, you wouldn't do that unless you were, it was, it was truly your passion. And you wouldn't do that repeatedly, would you, and stand on freezing beaches if you didn't love it, if you didn't absolutely love it. Especially since I don't really like driving very much either. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> it's not so good then. So, new roads, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think it's lovely that you, you're continuing doing that. I think that's probably why I was sort of drawn to your work because you're, you're doing it despite all the odds, um, you know, of where you're living, your location, and everything. Um, and I, I, I think a lot of people lose that, you know, because the circumstances are difficult. It's um, you, you start to you're not doing it as much as you should be, but you're continuing, and I think that's really lovely. <laughs> so, is how important it is to me. Yeah, I think you're very aware of that, aren't you? And yeah, I am as well. I know that I need this in my life. There was a time that I wasn't photographing and. Um, my my well being, both actually both physically and mentally, wasn't um, didn't do well. You know, we need to we need creativity. It's so important um, in our, in our lives, and people tend to put that like last. And so the the, the caring and the shopping and the, <laughs> the cleaning comes first, and the jobs. Yeah. Creativity is a luxury, and it's you know it's a little bit kind of um, people have to start thinking about it not being a luxury, but it's yeah. essential. It Absolutely. comes first. It should come first. Obviously, the cooking and all of that has to be done. I, I try and structure my days. I'm much more organised these days, actually. Right. Um, I, you know, because there are certain things that just have to be done. So if I know I've got something that's going to happen at seven o'clock in the evening and it involves photography, then I get supper ready at nine o'clock in the morning so that yeah. it's done, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just that sort of thing. I, I'm much more organised than I used to be. I wouldn't say I'm an organised person, but I just try and think ahead and, and plan so that everything photography related can be done and doesn't yeah. get put to the bottom of the heap. It needs to stay at the top for me. You sound like you've got it really well organised, you know, in your in your mind almost, um, and very very well together. I, I'm very impressed. <laughs> oh, you know, it's just because I have so many complicated things to deal with, juggling balls all the time. I just I have my diary and I just decide right to get this done. I need to get this done first, and I just try and make sure that the photography is is always everything to do with photography that I need to do is always achieved because I've put everything else in place first. Otherwise I just wouldn't be able to do it. Oh, I love this. It's just brilliant. I'm organised. I'm really not. I just (laughs) try and plan ahead. 
but you've got priorities right and you, you, you're implementing to make that happen so I think that's amazing and I think it's a really good thing for um, everybody to hear um, particular, can I say particularly women maybe who have families and um, t- the tendency is to put themselves a little bit last particularly when they're young um, so it's really lovely to hear and uh, you know I, I think that's, it's really important as well so thank you for that um, can you tell me do you um, do you photograph yourself or professionally or uh, you know I, I know you've got a history of working professionally um, yes. but the sea sketches are they are they mostly for yourself are they what's your motivation well, it started out that way uh, now yes I mean everything I do is I, I, I take photographs that please me I wouldn't do photographs for commercial reasons because yeah. you know I feel that that's going to suit somebody else uh, I'm a fine art photographer now mm-hmm. so I'm creating my own art as just as any artist and uh, if other people like it and want to buy it which they do sometimes um, then that's great okay. so uh, yeah it's very different to the type of photography I did before uh, you know I used to help my dad with commercial photography and weddings right. and photographing local industry and all that sort of thing which gave me an excellent grounding in photography and uh, then I did a degree in photography which was it was a a mixture of all sorts of you know essay writing and not just photography it was film as well and video which was quite new at the time and uh, and and animation all sorts of different things like that it was quite an interesting thing really for me to try and work out what it was within photography I actually wanted to do Mm. but I'd already been working as a colour printer for a couple of years by the time I started my degree and I carried on doing it afterwards because and during the degree actually because it it paid the bills so I ended up becoming uh, a proper photographic printer colour printer you know I started out black and white with my father ended up doing colour printing and then post-processing of different types of post-processing and um, teaching youngsters who are trying to get into photography and the, the government had a scheme, the young, I can't remember what they called it now, the young, not apprentice, but uh, they put youngsters, often with difficult backgrounds, into industries to have a go at it. And mm-hmm. uh, so we used to have a lot of people coming through and I was always given, given the job of teaching them. So I really ended up sort of teaching these post-processing skills to youngsters for several years. Okay. Um, so it was, you know, then I had my children and it was really once the children were getting older, I thought, right, what am I going to do now? Shall I start doing some wedding photography again? I was often asked to do portraits and I did a few of those, but... To be honest, I don't really like working with people <laughs> very much. And I really don't like doing weddings at all. And uh, I just thought, I want to be an artist. That's all I've ever wanted to be. I, I thought I was going to be a painter. And I thought, right, let's let's pick up a camera again and see, see how I go. And as I did that, then gradually the sea just filtered back into my life. And it, it all came in a big circle, really, I suppose. And I felt this is what I need to be doing. Yeah. And uh, it was a a longish process. Yeah. It always comes back though, doesn't it? That thing that's always, that's really there, you know, that's that's inside you, it comes back to you. You know, it it might take years, but it does come back. And every time I went home to Pembrokeshire, I I would be down on the beach and, um, you know, that was where we'd arrange to meet people in the pub, the on the, you know, <laughs> on the seawall, or it was always the beach. And I suppose all the time in boats with my dad, it just yeah. felt natural. Yeah. It's it was always my sort of happy place and sad place in many yeah. ways as well. <laughs> um, and 
I just decided that's what I've got to do. It, it, it was a long process over several years as my children went from sort of teenagers to adults or young adults. My youngest is still quite young, um, but that was that was what happened. I just yeah. suddenly the sea came back into my life again in a big way. Fantastic. And you said just at the beginning of that, you said something quite telling. You said that you do it for yourself. Um, and I think, you know, for me as well, I've, I always shoot for myself and I have very little regard for what anybody else thinks. Um, so, you know, I probably wouldn't do very well in competitions, um, but, you know, I don't mind. It doesn't matter. And that to me has been um, the, the start of the su- success. I'm not success I'm not saying success I'm successful I'm saying successful imagery or authentic imagery Um, I think that's where it comes when you're shooting for yourself Um, do you think do you do you agree with that do you think that's the cornerstone of finding your style if you're shooting for yourself you you just evolve into the artist you want to be and you're producing pictures that you're happy with and I think if you're happy with your pictures then some other people are going to be happy too and uh, and so it blossoms you know and um, I suppose you've developed your style by then and you've got your look and you know nobody sets out to get a look but um yeah well I don't think they do maybe they do I didn't certainly but then people start relating to it and enjoying it themselves and uh so you you're doing something that you really want to do like any artist and some people will like it some people won't I'm sure there are just as many people who don't like it as the ones who do like it you can't pick everybody yeah but you know, I, I follow a lot of painters as well on Instagram, and uh, and sometimes you know how it suggests other people. So you follow a certain style, and sometimes you look at something and think, "I just don't like that. I'm not going to follow that one." Uh, it's just a matter of taste. And if you keep producing, if, if all artists if they produce what makes them happy, then yeah. and other people like it too. It's a win-win situation. Absolutely. And I think you've got that really, you don't like, <laughs> yes, you've, you've got that real um, defined style, like, you know, that, that we can, we can really relate to. Funny, I used to um, paint as well. So I started off doing a fine art degree. So it's like all the, the there's a lot of parallels between us. <laughs> it's quite interesting. Um, so I follow a lot of painters as well, actually. Right. And, you know, I, I can see what you're saying that actually makes perfect sense to me. But I think, I think what's nice about your use, um, I, what, what I'm drawn to about your style is that you you seem to just go quietly about your own work and you're not I feel that from you from when I look at your feed or your work I feel I feel that so there must and, and that's right you've just said that as well so I must have got that right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yes it's it's you know I, I stopped doing wedding photographs because I don't like photographing weddings and dealing with all the complicated people and great aunt Flo who you know, decides to pick an argument with a photographer and things like that I just can't do, deal with all of that stuff I decided to do something that I felt I could cope with and uh, just being out in the open by myself is just bliss that's, that's what I enjoy the most sometimes with a friend like Rachel or my friend Lorraine or Sarah or somebody like that but we always arrive and then scatter you know we never stand next to each other we want to do different things and we have different things that we're looking for so that's fine and and, you know it starts raining we we both end up at the cafe at the same time and have a cup of tea and wait for the rain to go so it's ideal because you work by yourself doing just what you want to do and then you can just 
come back together just for a quick chat and then spread out again. So I'm happy to work that way, but I don't want to work in crowds. That was my next question, actually. I was going to say to you, you know, you're talking about being solitary because I'm very solitary as well. Um, you know, whether you're, you're, you're content to be with others, um, but you've just answered that. And I think that's really, I'm the same. I, I actually enjoy being with other people. Um, but the, the, you know, the irony being is I very rarely speak to them. When I'm with them. <laughs> And then you might meet up in the evening, but you know, you've got your space to do what you need to do. And creativity can be, um, some of it needs to be solitary, even though somebody might be standing a little bit further down the beach to you. Um, It it almost needs that. Concentration, doesn't it? You know, once you, when you're trying to get a photograph, they don't come easily. You know, I think this is a funny myth, isn't it? That people who aren't photographers don't understand. They say, oh, you know, that's a nice snap. (laughs) (laughs) I think you must just go out and go snap, snap, snap and come home. They have no idea how long it actually takes to get a photograph and how much concentration and and to some extent sometimes not exactly pre-planning, but, you know, following the forecasts and knowing your locations well and all that sort of thing. It takes a long time for all that to come together and a lot of concentration. So um, you don't really want distractions. uh, You know, for me, I never thought we'd go on a, a photography workshop myself because I just wouldn't work well with all those people around me yeah. I just wouldn't be able to do it I'm just not that sort of person I wouldn't be able to concentrate yeah it's um it, it's it's very difficult isn't it when there's a, a yeah it depends what type of people are around you I'd say <laughs> if you find if you're with fellow um introverts or you know people who enjoy that solitude um I find that you can sort of separate quite quite happily but if, if there's needy people who like talking then no, it's not going to it's not, it's not going to happen is it <laughs> well, I say I'm an introvert exactly I suppose we're all a mixture of introverts and extroverts aren't yeah. we really yeah. Uh, I'm not an extrovert either. I'm just me, but um, I, I ju- it's just being able to concentrate. I just prefer to do it without any interruptions at all. Just just yeah. see in the sky and the yeah. odd girl. Perfect. That, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> so, so the style. Um, just just briefly, so we can we can um, the, the style of images that you're known for. Um, so, like for me, the kit and the process and the technique is of less consequence. Yeah. The emotion or the motivations behind it. Um, do you? Do you, are you? I. I'm feeling that you. You agree with that? I very much agree with that. Yes. I'm, I'm not into kit lists or you know. If I'm reading a photographic magazine, I skim past those pages that give you lists of all the latest kit. Uh, I just. I, I do feel you know when you've got your kit, you you need to know it really well. You need to know how to use it inside out and upside down because you need to respond really quickly and you don't want to be looking for controls on cameras to try and work up where they are and uh, same with my camera bag as I said before I'm not an organized person but I do try and keep my camera bag organized so that when I reach for something it's in the same place every time because you know the, the rain's about to hit you and you might have three minutes of good light ahead of you and you want to just concentrate on that and nail the picture yeah. So, yeah, uh, I, I certainly am not the sort of person that goes out and buys the latest camera all the time, even if, even if I could afford it, which I can't. But uh, I, I just stick with my kit. It serves yeah. me well. It's that knowing the kit inside out, isn't it? So you know when you're there. Because I think yeah. a lot of the times, probably you're similar to me, you can't actually see 
a lot of what you're doing because <laughs> it's just oh, the conditions are so wild. Half the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My glasses are all covered in the sea. <laughs> uh, you can't really see the back of the camera. I tend to set up my camera uh, and set up the, um, the composition and then stand there with my remote looking at the scene rather than through my camera once it's all set up and okay. uh, waiting for the sea to do what I'm hoping it will do or you know whatever. So yeah. um, okay, yeah. so it's that it's that you know you know exactly what you're looking for. Then you know your exposures. You you've kind of you kind of know it intuitively now is that right yeah you do really uh, I think you know I tend it depends on the light conditions when you get there and how fast the water's rushing past you and all that sort of thing of <laughs> course but if it's darkish you know I start with just you know maybe a, a two-stop neutral density filter okay. and maybe a, a, a one-stop grad and uh, and if I need to slow the water down a bit more, then I change it. But if it's bright, then I, I you know I start with different filters. It depends on what it's like when I get there, you know. Yeah. And then I do a picture, look at the back of the camera, and decide yeah. what I need to do from there. Right, perfectly. Yeah, that's that's very similar to how I work actually. Except I, I'm probably a little bit more simple. I've got one filter. <laughs> <laughs> I'll always use that filter, <laughs> um, but that's probably very unusual. Um, but I know what you know. It's it's different There's, when the conditions are different. I'll go to a different scene. It'll take a long time for me to get that um, exposure right for that day. But I know what I'm going for. Just yes. just takes a while. I think that's actually one of the things I get asked a lot. Actually, you know, I think that that people don't realise how long it takes to create images of the sea and of the yeah. coast. Um, and it's, it is a matter of going back and back and back and waiting for those tides and those uh, the, the the right waves, the right conditions. Um, it doesn't. Yeah, it's, you sometimes it's, see the potential for an image, don't you, when you're yeah. down there? But you know, you're not going to get it today because the clouds are completely wrong, the atmosphere yeah. is wrong, uh, it's just not going to work, or the tide's not moving in the right way. Sometimes it's a, you, you don't really, you, you know. I, I like water that's just moving around slowly in front of me, and sometimes it's not doing that at all. <laughs> the tide isn't even coming in out; it's just sitting there, irritating yeah. me, looking at you as if saying, "Well, <laughs> that's what I'm doing today." So, and uh, you have to go back. You just have to keep going back, and that's when I read my forecast carefully, uh, especially when I'm having a week where it's going to be difficult to get out. Yeah. To, to try and pick the right day of the week to get there to get yeah. those conditions. Absolutely. The other thing that happens, of course, is beaches change a lot, don't they? Certainly the ones down here, you can go to a beach one day and it looks completely different the next day. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It's sandy one day and there's no sand to be seen the next day. I'm not talking about the height of the tides, it's just the pebbles being washed over all oh, the time. Right. I don't know the south coast at all. I, it's not you control the longshore drift by putting mm. piles of pebbles down, and, and you know they've got groins all along different areas as well, just to try and slow it down a bit. Um, and so you can go there, and suddenly you find the whole beach has been covered in truckloads of new pebbles. Oh, really? When it's going to happen, so you go down the thinking right, nice sand, and the low oh. low tide, extra low tide, and you go down, and there's nothing. It's completely different. Oh, I so didn't realise. What you're going to get from oh, goodness me. That's <laughs> a challenge. That's brilliant. Okay, so um, I'm just thinking maybe can you tell us, can you give um, the listeners like your three best tips for shooting seascapes? Uh, one of the best tips is wearing the right clothes. It's a fairly basic thing and, and you'd think people would think of it, but 
um, often they don't. And uh, people often write to me and say, how do you stay warm enough and how do you stop getting water in your boots and all that sort of stuff. And it really is one of the most basic things because if you get cold or wet, it's so uncomfortable and you can't concentrate anymore. And uh, I, I wear two pairs of waterproof trousers and really good neoprene boots and a properly waterproof coat that won't let the rain in at all, however heavy it, it's heavily yeah. raining, and a hat. And I take several pairs of gloves with me because, you know, you drop one in the sea and now it's soaking wet and, and, um, and a couple of changes of socks. So that's one thing yeah. I would really recommend, getting your, your clothing kit uh, yeah. sorted out. Um, the next one I would say is knowing the location really does help, uh, partly from a safety point of view, because if it's the type of beach where there's only one entrance and exit and it's going to be a very high tide, then you need to know how to get off it. Yeah. But also so that you can plan when you're on the beach, if it looks like the light's going to suddenly be momentarily fantastic, it's really useful to know where things are on the beach, like you know, interesting um, sticks in water or interesting rocks or a wreck or whatever the thing happens to be, where it is, where it's going to be when the tide's around it. So knowing a place is yeah. a really useful thing. And I think the tide table as well, um, having a tide table on your phone or just the physical one, whatever, um, planning, planning according to what the tide's doing when is really important. Uh, to me it is anyway as I said I put the the particularly good tides of the year in my diary in advance Mm. so that if if I can get out and the forecast is looking good I know roughly what the tide's going to be doing and you can choose then um, what beach to go to according to the tide if it's going to be a particularly good low tide I'll choose a beach that has interesting features at low tide and vice versa so Do you have a particular, is there an app that you put, that you use for that or is it just? Uh, I do use an app called Tides for Fishing, which is number four, Tides for Fishing, uh, which I discovered years ago. And uh, I was just saying in the talk I was giving last night, I didn't really want to use it because I so disapprove of the fishing industry and everything to do with it. Uh, So bad for the environment and and cruel. But um, I, I never found another one that bettered it so I do use tides for fishing and it gives you all the sort of tide tables and the, the height the coefficient which is the amplitude of the, the tide how high it's going to come up the beach and all sorts of other useful information as well like wave height and significant wave height and all those sort of things so it makes it easy well easier to plan yeah. it's a very useful app Fantastic. That's really helpful. Thank you. <laughs> that was a lovely chat. And thank you so much for taking the time um, oh, to, to speak with me. I really enjoyed that, actually. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you all for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share and review it. And I'll see you on the next episode.